Welcome. I'm Harmony Slater, your host of the Finding Harmony podcast. Over the past 20 years, I've taught thousands of yoga teachers and students to explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and modern everyday life, using mind-body practices to heal, awaken, and manifest their dreams from the inside out. This podcast is a sanctuary for those feeling overwhelmed by life's challenges. Are you ready to jump in and discover how these challenges aren't actually in the way, but are the way to finding harmony? Let's invite the magic back in. Hi, welcome to another transformative episode of the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so excited because we have a beautiful human, Amy Echo, here today. She's also an old friend from the Ashtanga Yoga community, and we are talking all about how to explore the power of self-love and awareness from a weight-neutral perspective and how to transform our relationship with food and our bodies. And so I'm just really excited you're here. This is a deep episode talking about some very sensitive patterns that maybe you might be familiar with or you might yourself have struggled with. I think so many of us struggle with our relationship to food and how we're using food in our life whether it's for self-soothing or comfort or fun or social or whether we're trying to avoid it or restrict it. And it seems like this dysfunctional relationship with food shows up in all different types of organizations or aspects of our life. And sometimes when we come to yoga, we think that it's all about being healthy and eating healthy. But sometimes this obsession with healthy eating, how much, how little we're eating, what we're eating, can itself turn back into this disordered relationship that maybe we came to yoga in the first place to get away from. So we are exploring all of these things, the harmful effects of diet culture, the importance of body love and acceptance, and how to break free from the cycle of guilt and shame surrounding our food and our relationship to food. And Amy's going to provide us some guidance on how to build a more positive relationship with how we're eating, what we're eating, and how it's impacted her own life coming to terms with her own food issues and really looking at them from a loving perspective. So I cannot wait to jump into this episode with you and get started. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I'm here with Russell Case. Oh, I'm a little nervous, Harmony. I'm a little anxious, actually. Why? Well, you know how I have these, like, boundary issues? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, the person you brought on today, sweetie, is not good for those boundary issues. We are joined today by the fabulous Amy Echo. It's like the fucking filter just <laughs> shuts off. Hello, beautiful. It's been Hello. so long since we last connected. Yeah, Friend I don't of the show. What year was that? That was the 20... Uh, I think it was 2020. 2020. That was like, I think you were episode like five. Or yeah, six. you were one of our first guests yeah. ever. So we were all learning things. We were. We had to do our episode twice. 
Um, oh, yeah, I remember. We got to talk to you twice we in had to one do year. It, we had to ask you the exact same questions over again because the first episode got got so mangled. Yeah, it was weird. There was a echo. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre. How, How weird. Bizarre yeah, yeah, there was a there was an echo. Amy mm. echo. Huh. What's going mm. on there? Huh. <laughs> but so much has happened since 2020. Yeah. And if people want to hear about your story prior to 2020, they can listen to the past episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. We want to know. What's been happening now with you? I like your whole look. You've got kind of like a Kelly Osborne look going on. <laughs> the coloring, the hair, the army t-shirt. Like, I f- I'm feeling it. I love her. Yeah. She's fantastic. She is fabulous. I've known her since she? she was a little kid, and she's just the cutest. What? Yeah. I'm an honorary Osborne. Did you not know this? You knew Kelly Osborne personally since she was a little kid? Yeah. See, this is why, like, don't go back to the first episode. We're getting juicy <laughs> shit right here. How did you know Kelly Osborne since she was a kid? And because how did I she... was on the Ozfest oh. when I was just... a kid. <laughs> yeah. You just hang out with Ozzy? Well, that's a good story. Um, yeah. So Keep going. Yeah. So uh, I in 1998... Yeah. My band, my first band, Human Waste Project. Oh, great band. I know. I, I, I listen to them on YouTube still. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. We got asked to do Ozfest in the UK because we were more popular in the UK than we were in the States. And so the whole family is super hands-on and they're all wow. there all the time. And so when we were playing Sharon Osborne and Kelly, I think, and Amy... Jack was somewhere else, I think, but they all came over to watch the show. And my mom was there, too, and Sharon and my mom did the mom thing. Because Amy Osborne is A-I-M-E-E, like I am. So, right, yeah. And then my husband, um, Jamie, he was my boyfriend then. He was like a freshy, fresh boyfriend at that point, too. (laughs) He was on OzFest in the States, And so when we were done in the UK, I went over and toured with him on the U.S. OzFest. And when I showed up, Sharon's like, oh, come with me. Come with me, Amy. (laughs) And she she took me in the back to get my little credentials. And she said to the man, give her a universal pass and put Amy Osborne on it. Oh, that's amazing. So, so I got to have um, the same credentials as the family, Whoa. which was more credentials than my husband, who was playing yeah. at the time. Um, and then at the end of the festival, I got to finally talk to Ozzy. And Sharon's so sweet. She's like, Ozzy, I want to introduce you to my friend Amy. <laughs> she's a singer. And Ozzy goes, oh, she's a singer. Oh. I like chick singers. I haven't sang with a chick since Lita. <laughs> and so... Lita? Lita Ford. Was she in the band? No, oh. they did a duet. Do you remember? Okay, okay. Amazing. Okay. Lita Ford, no. Not, so anyway, not, Lita Ford, Ozzy duet. So the next uh, night, Sharon came over and said, do you want to sing Paranoid with Ozzy? <gasps> yeah, so I got Fuck to... Off. And then I'm standing there with Kelly, 
And I was like, Sharon, uh, what if I forget the words? And Kelly's like 12, maybe. And she just goes, just read the teleprompter like dad does. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. Now you've got child Kelly impersonation, Sharon impersonation, Ozzy impersonation. Wow. We're not paying you enough for this episode, Amy. That's incredible. (laughs) So fabulous. And so you got to sing with Ozzy. Yeah. And I was also paranoid with Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple other people that ended up coming up on the stage, too. I think Max from Sepultura and some other singing person. I can't remember who. One of the other bands. But during that same time, I, I, I was really nervous. And so Jack was younger than Kelly, I think. And everybody knew I was really nervous because it was like 20,000 people, by the way. (laughs) No no big deal. Um, And uh, Jack bestowed me with the power of the Sabbath. What is that? Yeah. What it looked like was this. (laughs) (laughs) If you are listening, (laughs) if you are listening to this podcast, he shot his hands towards my chest, not my, my chest, my torso he f- yeah <laughs> oh that was to your chest that's what he did he took a big hold of your chest i'm gonna keep no, that one in from my back distance, pocket yeah. and uh he told me you know because he was an osborne he could bestow it and then i was forever uh i have the power of the sabbath still i can tell i've seen your sabbath. live that's shows amazing. i can tell that you have that because you do you have something yeah have the power of the sabbath apparently yeah. <laughs> I love that. Wow. That's incredible. Wow. I don't think we I've ever told that story. story. Yeah, wow. there you go. Hey. Incredible. Wow. That's I, awesome. I, t- I think I told you once that I that I held hands with Susie from Susie and the Banshees. She <gasps> On was stage? Like, she was like, like, you know, just so foul to the audience telling them off and being a real bitch. I'd never like really seen a punk show before. I didn't know what was going on. But she thought I was cute. She held my hand. Because you are cute. But you, you, you have that same kind of electric quality that she had. Like that's the only other person I've seen with that. That's that on stage. I don't give a fuck performance. Okay, and now you got me, Russell. I'll do anything I, you want. You know, like, who, who's who's that girl that that peed in someone's mouth recently what? on a on a live show? Punk rock girl. Um, you have that quality. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> wow! Wow! You know you the still... other the other quality the other thing mm-hmm. I wanted to get to before okay. we move off of Kelly Osbourne. Right. Kelly recently said in the press that maybe she overdid it with the Ozempic and Sharon she was, said that. Yeah. Well, they both did. No, it's Sharon. No, because Kelly is also like she said. I think I may have lost too much. Kelly uh, had the had bariatric surgery. So she oh, had, she I think it, I'm not sure which one of the surgeries. So Sharon, you know, there's the a, there's, Sharon and also had Kelly bariatric she, surgery in the, oh. well, well, way back. I'm not way sure back. what year, but okay. way back. And then, yeah. um, yeah, she was on Pierce Morgan talking about Ozempic and that she's to the point where, and I, you know, I saw part of the interview and her family was on the interview as well. And they looked really concerned. Um, yeah. Uh, because I, I think she's, I mean, she made a, a few comments about it. Yeah, uh, diet culture, entertainment culture, especially uh, the entertainment side of diet culture is really brutal. 
Yeah. The, the mm. both of them are so gorgeous. Kelly's you know Stunning. So, so gorgeous and lovely and juicy and you want it looks like you look they look like you want to just reach out and and, and give them the Sabbath. <laughs> and empower them. <laughs> empower you empower know, them. them. I think they're pretty empowered with the Sabbath. And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And they seem to even like embody a kind of body positivity in the way they looked and the way they were just so kind of fresh about being who they were. And yet even they seem like to be a prey to this culture. I think I might disagree with the body positivity. They're definitely pro-body autonomy. You know, that's, I, I'm super pro-body autonomy. Like if you want to have cosmetic surgery, bariatric surgery. Bariatric surgery is a, is a little bit different than cosmetic surgery because you're actually, um, let's just go all the way there. You're amputating a perfectly healthy digestive organ. And so, you know, if you're into Ayurveda or yoga and, you know, you're thinking about, you know, Panchamaya, digestion is, is really a huge, I mean, Anamaya, the, the physical body that you're sitting in is, is, is called the food body, yeah. you know, so it's what's made of food. So digestion is one of the most important uh, functions that we have. And so to, to start to make changes to that for appearance, it's a dangerous path, you know, I mean, I could talk about this all day long. Well, that's good. Why, we're going to talk about it all day long. That's why we're here, here right? to talk to you today. That's exactly yes. why. But it's yeah. interesting you say that because I know Ayurveda has that, Yeah. you know, the philosophy that all disease starts with poor digestion, basically. Absolutely. You know, from a Panchamaya perspective, when we're talking about prana, vayu, if we're talking mm -hmm. to pranamaya prana and on the five vayus, the functions of uh, the human system from material level, um, it really rules digestion. You know, mm -hmm. prana vayu is intake, samana vayu is digestion, apana vayu, elimination of what's been digestion, Ud uh, sorry, vyana is circulating the nourishment, udana expressing after mm -hmm. that, after the nourishment's been sent around, and then we've got whatever's left over is ama, right? So it's toxic, and this is where, so mm -hmm. if there's a fault in the digestion, this is also, you know, has to do with experience as well. So mm -hmm. if you have a difficulty intaking an experience or digesting an experience or eliminating or being nourished by, so the, the toxin, the problematic substance or experience will stay in the system. And so when you start to, to to jack literal digestion, which is also what Ozempic does. Mm -hmm. It really, I mean, that's primarily what it's doing um, at the doses that they're prescribing it for weight loss is, is jacking your digestive system. It's delaying gastric emptying. And a lot of mm -hmm. people are having difficulties with gastroparesis where the um, motility, the natural function of food movement or nourish, whatever. At what point is it no longer food? Where, <laughs> where food is Nutrients. moving. Yeah, where, well, and also waste. Just, and waste. Just, I've waste. never heard that question before. It's, yeah. it's like a profound question. When is food no longer food and where is it waste? Yeah. It never occurred to me to After ask that Samana, question or consider right? it. Yeah. Hopefully. And um, so the motility, if, you're, if, if that's going, you got a different kind of problem again. And so we're talking about ama, if we're talking about it from an Indian perspective. Um, mm. So Ozempic can be problematic. A lot of people are having a lot of benefit with it um, for lowering A1C 
but it's a different uh, for sugar. diabetes for blood sugar oh, right, yeah. um, but that's a different dose it's a lower dose and it stays mm -hmm. parked and for the weight loss benefit they're they're um, graduating the dose up and up so, uh, just uh, as a FYI my brother I don't know if I should well yeah my brother mom and stepfather are all on it for mm -hmm. diabetes yeah is that yeah and same? I is Mongerno and Mozempic the same so there are there's Rebelsis, Ozempic, and I think those two are used are prescribed for diabetes and A1C, yeah. um, lowering the A1C, um, blood sugar management. I guess that's the way you would call it. And uh, when it's prescribed for weight loss, there's a few different drugs. There's uh, Munjaro. Mm -hmm. um, there's a new one that came out called Zepbound. Who names these things, that's right? We Govi. We Govi is the one that's on the same company as Ozempic. So Ozempic is the diabetes drug, and We Govi is the weight loss version from the same company, Novo Nordisk. Yeah. Um, that was not a plug. <laughs> so I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm pro medication. I'm. I don't believe in stigmatizing medication. You know, I think mm -hmm. that that's something that happens in our world too, in our wellness world. Where yeah. folks get really, um, I forget. Do we cuss here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where folks, where where people yeah. get, they get shit on for you know they they're yeah. they're stigmatized heavy for taking antidepressants, thyroid yeah. medication, these kind we're of things. We're gonna lose right. followers for this show for sure. What? Because <laughs> no, I'm not. saying don't stigmatize medication. <laughs> yeah, there's so, a Venn I, diagram between the Trumpist and the yoga teacher, and it has to do with the vaccine. But it meets at the bottom of the little squiggle of the queue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we're going to lose some. <laughs> oh, we're going to lose some followers. Yeah. No, but it is yeah. true. I mean, we do stigmatize all kinds of, of things when people yeah. want to maybe like use progesterone during yeah. menopause hrt or take for sure thyroid medication or yep. like we're saying use some kind of medication for managing blood blood sugar yep. or i mean there's ibuprofen a lot of, for christ's sakes yeah ibuprofen right there's a lot of mm -hmm. shame culture around yeah you know needing any kind of support outside of like your yoga practice i guess right or, yeah, like I, your personal I, health routine. I had a lot of shame around my ibuprofen use. <laughs> Extensive. I, you know, we can talk about that too. I mean, there were some people that I knew that injured themselves taking ibuprofen so they could do difficult asanas yeah. that were beyond the scope of their um, pain threshold. I guess we should yeah. say you can their put body me in was that basket with the people that you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this—I was thinking of somebody who actually ended up hospitalized with kidney issues because they were doing, they were yeah. daily drivers of the ibuprofen. Yeah. So it was. Like, and, I, I had a friend who died of oof, vascular disease. I'm so sorry. Was an intensive ibuprofen user. Yeah. And um, it kind of, I kind of, I just stopped it cold turkey. Yeah. So my point in saying. You know, not I don't stigmatize medication as that, you know, I'm all for body autonomy. However, I think people should know, just like Sharon was saying, this started with Sharon Osborne saying, mm -hmm. I've gone too far with the Ozempic. She actually said, I don't think it should be prescribed to children because, you know, it, she s used the term addictive, which is super interesting mm -hmm. because um, this is <laughs> this is something, you know, most people think that food is addictive. 
Hmm. Are we of that camp? I don't know. That's a great question. Is food uh, addictive? I, uh, I think it's some de- foods are addictive. It's delicious. Is it, that's what you mean? Yeah. They haven't they haven't proven that food is addictive. Mm-hmm. There there's no study that says that food is an addictive substance. And one of the reasons why is because you can habituate to it. So if I said if you if you leave somebody in a room with heroin they'll likely right. increase if they're if that's what's happening if it's an addictive substance for them and they've been doing heroin yeah. they will continue to do it and their dosage will go up right if i left you in a room with just cookies and said that's your meal for the next 6 weeks you would come out and you'd never want another one of whatever those cookies were <laughs> right <laughs> Right. I would also make yeah, sure I didn't eat regulate. them all. I wouldn't eat them all the first day. Yeah. <laughs> you could have as many as you want. You're sitting on uh, as many cookies as you want. Oh, right. That. See, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. So this is mm. where this gets into this thing. And what is addictive is restriction. Yeah. Right. So yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's yeah. you know what restriction promises the thin ideal, right? And what comes with it, the social capital that comes with looking a certain way in our culture. Um, The idea that you might be healthy, this is another one of those funny things, right? It's like Mm. thin is almost always equated with health. Yeah, And fat is almost always equated with ill health or not healthy. Mm. And um, that's also being debunked these days when they're talking about BMI, which is not my favorite thing to talk about because it's not a very useful uh, measuring tool. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's categories in the BMI chart. Yeah. Um, there's underweight, there's normal weight, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> there's overweight, there's obese, and then there's, I don't know if they're calling it morbidly obese anymore or what, what they're calling yeah. it. There's been recent studies showing that people have the best health markers in the overweight category. Mm-hmm. Huh. The second best health markers are normal and obese, and then the worst are super obese or morbidly obese and underweight. So it's interesting. That's very interesting. I did do a BMI study with Yoga Journal, and the guy who was setting up the equipment for me was was telling me is, he said, well, you do know that, you know, you're, he told me that my body fat was 10%, and I was insulted, and I I slapped him. And (laughs) he said, hey, 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 calm down. 10% 10% is low. Uh, it is low, low, but it's also, if you go below 10%, then you start getting issues with your immune system. And, and you and this is the problem with professional athletes is that their body fat is so low that they start getting sick more of the time because yeah. that fat keeps you healthy. And then it in blew a my of, mind. I was, I was, I was, like, yeah. I still feel, you know, too fat. In a lot of, well, that's the culture, that's the water we swim in, my darling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In female athletes, you start to lose um, reproductive function. And, um, or in other folks that have um, conditions where they're undernourished or malnourished. And that goes back to that system of digestion, right? Because in the Ayurvedic model, the reproductive tissues are last in the chain. So if there's a fault anywhere down the line, you lose reproductive function. So that means up the chain is not nourished or digesting properly. 
when mm-hmm. you're having issues in the reproductive. I've also lost reproductive function. <laughs> I don't think you ever had it though. So I don't you, think I if you ever never had, had it, it, then you can't lose but it. But I may have had it once. <laughs> never had it, Russell. Yoga, and then I did this yoga for so long with these sweaty shorts, and I, I had the tightest, so. you know, yeah. shorts. And I was like, I feel like I lost my, I lost it. But I'd like to talk to you. I'd like to ask you a yeah. little bit of a, maybe a personal question. I don't know. Maybe an yeah. observation. Wherever you want to go with it. My parents were both fertile. <laughs> don't understand (laughs) Um, but like this yoga culture yeah and i mean we can talk specifically about the ashtanga culture because that's the type of yoga you teach the type of yoga that we all practice and we all met each other in let's just talk about that culture because that's sort of what we're familiar with yeah we we didn't really get into this too much because i wasn't too i wasn't really in a uh i didn't have as full of an understanding as i do now Um, about what was going on with myself for decades and decades and decades, right? Um, A lot of the suffering that I was going through. But like, to be brutally honest, I came to Ashtanga yoga. I didn't know the difference between Ashtanga and any other yoga. But I came to yoga uh, as a way of trying to control my body and to try to control the way I looked. I wanted another, uh, you know, like working out wasn't doing, compulsively exercise wasn't doing it for me. I couldn't get to a weight that Mm -hmm. was low enough you know, for and positive exercise. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't actually work sometimes. <laughs> so the deal is, is your body is your body. Yeah, and um, there's a there's kind of a natural weight that your body will fall at, and not everybody is thin. Some people are curvy, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are tall and lean like my husband. Some people have booties and boobies like me, (laughs) you know? And so I couldn't ever be as thin as I wanted because of the shape of my body. So I started doing yoga initially as I thought it was going to be the answer. It was like gambling again. It's like, this is going to be the one that's going to make me win. And what happened on day one was this really transcendent experience where I got total relief from myself, my mind. And so then I was like hooked and it was still this culture where (laughs) disordered eating patterns were praised, Mm -hmm. fostered, taught, Mm -hmm. and like using your body in extreme ways was, it was what we did. You know, yeah. and then and it was like under the guise of devotion. You're like rocking your body this way. Don't feed it. It's like a, a gremlin. Don't feed it after a certain hour or before a certain hour. <laughs> five p.m. Right. Don't feed your body after Don't five p.m. Don't feed it. Only feed it these things. These are the acceptable ones. You know, yeah. and God. And then it was like, well, don't eat this, and then don't eat that because if you eat that, then you know. Well, so and so is not eating such and such, and check out how bendy they are. And you mm-hmm. know, it was like this is coming out of the diet. That's coming out of the diet. Soon, it's just everything. Nothing's even cooked anymore, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, just or like, you're just having milk and ghee. That's always a good option. Too. I mean, there was a time <laughs> in packets. There was times where I was living on coconut water only when I was yeah cruising around in in India. And, and like, it was a huge misperception that I was caring for myself. Yeah. And so it wasn't even a guise per se. 
as it was the culture. It was what we were all doing. And the, the harder you could go and on the least amount of fuel, the more elite you were and the more praised you were. Yeah. So rock and roll. I love that you're bringing this up because I feel like I went from a ballet culture that was very much same. Yeah. The same, right? How much? Except for add cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. How much? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> how much can you can you push your physical self with like minimal calories, caffeine, and cigarettes, cigarettes nicotine? Yeah. Right. I mean, that's God. Can you imagine That's, if, like, yeah. <laughs> nicotine gum started going around the shelves? Because <laughs> they wouldn't the smoke. Mm, <laughs> right. Nicotine gum. That's all I do is nicotine. And gum. then what was interesting was when I came to yoga, I don't... I came because I think I was, I was very stressed out mm, in same. university. Yeah. And had that same experience of just, like, oh, feeling really clean really clear like that full sattvic kind of oh yeah experience and like wow this is incredible i'm finally free and so initially i wasn't really into it for the physical aspect in a way like i was using my body again which felt good because i had kind of not been using it when i was in school i was just fully immersed in studying mm. And so it felt like it was bringing more balance, like some somatic connection back into my life with yeah. all of this mental connection. You know, speaking of the five koshas, you know, we tend to yeah. kind of abandon one sometimes in order to develop the other. Yeah. So it felt like it was a much more holistic experience. And then tapping into this energy body, this prana, right, is incredible. You're like, whoa, this is amazing. Yeah. And then you start making healthier choices for yourself. And you're Healthy. like... Yeah, but maybe you're like, I mean, yeah. still, I was still doing the caffeine and occasional cigarettes. So yeah. then I started having green juices and like, yeah. Stop yeah. Smoking. you know, stop smoking and yeah. like, same. started to, yeah, really Arguably like, healthier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do healthier mm. things for myself. <laughs> like, like love myself and treat myself really, really well. Absolutely. Um, but then something else happened after yeah. that, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. which I think you're, is what you're speaking to is that then the deeper I got into this culture of Ashtanga yoga, it again, once again, turned into you have to be skinny in order to be able to do these postures, yep. which fucking hell, I will argue with anyone that is the fucking truth. <laughs> Okay, when you it's are skinny, so you can do those postures mm. so much easier it's than so if helpful. you are not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so very helpful. So there's pressure to lose weight. Yep. And yeah, also... Uh, there, I'm, so uh, I don't know how to say his last name, too, because I've only seen it written down, but Gregor Maeli, I don't yes, know. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So he, in his one of his books, I think it's his primary series, it's these things like there's little yeah. things that like... They leave a crease in my brain that I can't iron out. And uh, it said, if this posture is difficult for you, eat less and exercise more. <laughs> right? He, he wrote that down? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's, it's said, obvious. And I we think all he say said, it to each other, due to, to adipose tissue. If this posture adipose is difficult tissue. for you due to adipose tissue, what eat less and that? exercise fat. You have a little extra fat. Adipose tissue? <laughs> adipose tissue. <laughs> tissue is is that an Australian term? Adipose? No. <laughs> I it's mean, a even term. as a. Even as a teacher, you know, people are like, why can't I get Supta Kermasana? Why can't I get Marie Chiasana D? Yeah. And you're like, yeah. well, maybe you should try going on a cleanse. Oh, that's I what mean. you say. See, that's the hidden coded language that we use. Right? You should try a cleanse. Yeah, absolutely. Which equates to a starvation, a two-week starvation diet. That's what happened in, you know, God bless Kimberly and Noah. But that was, I was like, what do I do? Because I was like... And this was like way early on and they're, yeah. they're like, well, maybe actually I don't even, I can't remember how it happened, but I ended up on a rise and shine cleanse. I probably shouldn't talk about these things because it's. What's a rise and shine cleanse? Well, that's the thing. If I talk about it, then somebody will end up doing it and then I'll feel guilty. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, yeah. But people listen but to anyway, the show it was a and really they go do cocaine. It was a, yeah, they're going to go do cocaine. They're going <laughs> to do all the things. Uh, but really, it was like, okay. And then what happened was, uh, so it was, a, it was a digestive cleanse, mm -hmm. and it was really limited. Mm -hmm. No salt, even. So you were oh. just, like, leaning Ooh, out because the yeah. liquid, you know, everything's yeah. going through it. Like, no then, salt, no sugar, no grains. No salt, no sugar, no grains. Whoa. It was all veggies. It was raw. It was raw. You could yeah. eat, like, cooked quinoa three times a week or something like that. Right. And then the last part of it was completely juice like for a couple weeks right and it was like um juice fast. Yeah. yeah there was a so it was prepped to a juice fast and it was mm -hmm. long and um yeah i mean it worked <laughs> i could yeah. do kermasana no problem find those no problem I, I twist when, twist easily yeah yeah i remember the first time i had heard about an extreme diet and it was you know i've been living off of uh wheatgrass and smoothies for years but in raw food and it didn't seem extreme no. But I remember when Russell Kai was just drinking juice during the week and having a meal on the Saturday that I thought, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> should I be doing that? Right. Like, maybe I should be doing that. And that's how uh, that's what was happening with many of us and is still happening with a lot of us is yeah. it's klesha. You know, you're using the tools of yoga for, through the lens of misperception is what's happening and so it's like um you're starting to abuse yourself all over again yeah. it's just using you know anything you can you know klesha you can use anything for klesha it could be the best intentions and it ends up in the same place which is suffering yeah. um and and so yeah so <laughs> And I mean, and like you say, it's reinforced in the culture because mm -hmm. I'm going to just come right out and say it. The yoga diet is not a healthy diet. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> well, it depends on who you're talking to and what you're talking about. <laughs> but so like as prescribed in, in the sutra that we're constantly fed, one meal a day is a yogi, two meal a day is a bogey, three meals a day is a dead man. Dead man or rogi or something. Dead man. Yeah, yeah, yeah rogi would be disease. Yeah. Yeah, so, disease, right? So, yeah. I mean, if you want to be a yogi, you should only eat once a day. 
Yeah, and then if you go into Hatha Yoga Pradipika, it's like live on <laughs> milk, milk milky sugar ghee. water. Yeah, <laughs> milk and ghee. And sweets. You and know, sweet. Like, and yeah. jaggery. And that was jaggery, said to milk faces, and you, you drink one liter of milk per day, and like, wow, that's a lot of milk. I'm, I'm a vegan. I'm a raw foodist vegan. I'm from yeah. Like I'm from New York. Like what? Yeah. So I mean, there's so many different ways, and and you know, I don't know, I don't know who's saying what or so. Later on, when I started Hot Yoga Pradipika, I was informed that it was retreat yoga, not householder yeah. yoga, yeah. right? At, yoga. at the ashram. Mm-hmm. Retreat yoga, you do it a couple months a year. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you live your life with your people and your children and your work. And you have to have enough sustenance to get through your day. And your practice styles back to a way that just supports balance. And, you know, we do all these things. It's like you go for the big push. You realize some things. And then chop wood, carry water. I guess that's what they say. Do laundry, whatever yeah. you want to. It's just... Days however you want to put it yeah and so it's like this way that um this extreme viewpoint uh, becomes what's suitable for everybody or what's expected of everybody not suitable what's mm-hmm. expected what's passed down as this is the way mm-hmm. yeah and you know i think some things were lost in translation personally yeah and so well, like like sucking mercury up your urethra <laughs> Might have been might be a mistranslation of Sorry. Uh, hot yoga. It was Pradipika. the suck word that didn't have it. I was yeah. cool with mercury and urethra. <laughs> but like we, I we no, had yeah. some friends who were who had made the transition from water to milk and were doing that. <laughs> I knew a guy, a couple guys actually. Tantra yoga practice, and then like Katri Mudra and stuff like that. Like oh, and then and then Noah told me, oh yeah, and then there's this one guy who's really special who's moved on to Mercury. It's like oh, he's really doing the Mercury. He said, yeah, he's doing the Mercury. It's like that's cool. But so like, cool. But you're mentioning like yeah, the cutting the tongue yeah. Do, off if the you want to have like a break from your identity. Do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Permanent break from your identity. <laughs> Permanent breaks, man. That's so oh punk. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're like we're doing this very punk, modernist yes. exercise of throwing all of the bathwater out with the baby, and yeah. then we're gonna re- rebuild it by hand. And and look, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, Krishnamacharya was teaching householder yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, and so this piece of Ashtanga is super useful and it needs to be prescribed correctly for the person that's in front of you to what their life is and to what their purpose is and to help them find what their purpose is. And part of that, I mean, for me, this relationship between mind and body is it feels like where everything gets off track. That's like klesha number one for me. So klesha, just um, for those who are not Russell and Harmony, because <laughs> you guys are so aware of all of these. Of the Sanskrit old, terminology. Sanskrit terminology we, and we yoga sutras. In class with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's where we met in class. Um, but klesha being a foundation of action that's going to cause you suffering 
because, and it's usually rooted in misperception. I mean, it is rooted in misperception. That's the field for all the others. And so there's a way that we get it wrong fundamentally. And it starts with that rule of like, are we a guardian of this thing that we sit in? Or are we a taskmaster? Are we a driver? Are we an abuser? So like, what is our role? And I think that piece is like the first step in correcting Mm -hmm. a disordered way of behaving with food in your body. Because if you can start to step back and go, okay, I mean, and it's really difficult. The pattern of most folks is not guardian or caretaker for their human system. It's just Mm -hmm. not. Um, And, you know, mind gets all in it in the way that mind does. And it's trying to keep you safe. And it's like, oh, okay, so safe is really, really thin. And everybody else is drinking green juice and snorting mercury up their urethras. (laughs) So I want to belong with the tribe, you know. So uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, doing what's right or useful isn't always the choice we make. It's belonging because that equals survival. Yeah. yeah, I think even even at the mm-hmm. time, I, I was I was self aware enough to to know, and I was saying to other people, "There's real money on the table with each posture we get. <laughs> There's an equivalence." And I would I would and I'd said that to to folks that I knew is like, "If I can get another posture, I can make more money Russell, than other people." The cynic. <laughs> well, are the realist, you know, but like you know, if I could get through third, I was going to make more money. I was aware of it. And that's what I was yeah. pushing for. And then that, that mm-hmm. all leads to all of these destructive behaviors that are yeah. all tied up in competition. That's yeah. clasha, 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 right? Clasha, 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 so clasha. it's like, so if you're, if, you know, if asana is supposed to be this tool that uh, shows us that we can have some agency over what's happening in our body, our food body, human system, and then the pranayama is showing us that we can have agency over something more subtle. Mm-hmm. Right. So then this is this path that we're taking, right? We're moving from outside to inside. We're taking the relationships with others or our relationship with our mind, we could say with yama and then the way that we care for the system with niyama. And then, okay, now I have this body. How does it work? So I'm practicing operating it as if it's in balance and then challenging it a little bit more, a little bit more so that it can keep it in balance when these insane things happen, because they do in the world. And then doing the same with the breath, like, oh, this is something that's automatic. I have agency over it. And then the sense organs, this is something that's automatic. I can have agency over that. That shows you that you can have agency over the most subtle, which is the mind, right? Instead of letting the mind go, keep her safe, 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 (laughs) and making these huge errors that not eating food and compulsive exercising are safe. So at the end of the day, all of this is really an anxiety (laughs) disorder. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the human, you know, it's the human, uh, I heard somebody refer to it as a psychological immune system. Mm -hmm. And it's just mind trying to keep you safe from injury, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mm -hmm. psychological injury. And so that's where a lot of these issues are stemming. And we, a lot of us, I'm going to include you guys in it because we seem to be on the same ride here, (laughs) made some perceptual errors 
and got pretty extreme and did some totally fun and radical and amazing things and had great times (laughs) and did some things that weren't so weren't in care of the human system. Yeah. And I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about this too, because I think this is an interesting distinction that, um, people don't necessarily make because it's, it's subtle and it's difficult to make this distinction, especially when you're in it. Yeah. Um, but like I had an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and I recovered from my eating disorder, but I still had disordered eating. Yes. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that distinction. Like what makes disordered eating? What makes it, it that you still have a dysfunctional relationship to how you're feeding yourself? So I'm going to go back to Yoga Sutras and yeah. say Klesha, right? Yeah. So um, the whole game of the first part of chapter two in the Yoga Sutras is uh the actions, the global actions of yoga that we're taking to, to bring ourselves back to balance so that we can come out of suffering. And klesha being the thing that cause, that is the cause of the suffering, so that big misperception. And what it says is, you know, we take these three actions, uh, we make efforts to heal and change patterns that have caused us suffering before by paying attention to what we're doing and why we're doing it. And if it's not aligning, if it's based in misperception, if we can see that we've hit suffering before, if it's going back down that track, we stop it in its track and we try a different thing. And we have to have some uh, conviction that that new way will keep us out of the suffering. Mm-hmm. And so we're klesha seeking all the time, right? When we're doing yoga, hopefully, if somebody has taught us this, <laughs> we're cl- <laughs> otherwise we're klesha. <laughs> Uh, growing, right? Reenacting. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. And so the second sutra, it says the whole purpose of these actions of yoga is to make the klesha small. Mm-hmm. And then and to make... people can think of klesha as just like a pattern, like an unconscious yeah. pattern. It's something a pattern that, that leads to suffering. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's a pattern that leads to suffering because somewhere you miss the point, right? Mm-hmm. So the eating disorder was a misperception about... so. Uh, There's a lady called Gwyneth Olwyn, and she wrote the homeodynamic recovery method, which is one of the ways, it's one of the evidence-based ways to come out of anorexia and other eating disorders too, I guess. Um, And she she defines uh, an eating disorder as the misidentification of food as a threat. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think I still that, might have that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah. And so yeah. what yoga yeah. says is that klesha doesn't go away. Yeah. It gets smaller. Yeah. It can be small. It can be interrupted. Yeah. It can be raging or it can be dormant. Mm-hmm. But it's always there. Oh, like a fat so, cell. <laughs> what? Like a a fat fat cell. cell. Wow. (laughs) So if we've conquered that klesha, the misperception, the misidentification, we'll just go with Gwyneth Owen's definition, the misidentification of food as a threat, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, if that's your definition, how many disordered eaters do you know? (laughs) Right? Like everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right? So... If we've got that as our base definition and we've made it small, dormant maybe, Mm -hmm. 
when stress comes up, this is what the Yoga Sutra says too, when the chit hits the fan, right? That's yeah. a good the chit. I love that. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a amazing. Tim Miller quote. <laughs> when the chit uh, hits the fan, that's a yeah. fan. So, in, Whose when quote was that? Tim Miller. Tim Miller. Go, that's Tim Miller. Awesome. I love you. Um, wow. so when it gets real, which it does because we're human, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Klesha and it gets activated. Gets activated. Yeah. Yeah. And if food is what was your your trauma, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. So yeah. f- I'll I'll give you a for example. This is way TMI. I don't know why I'm saying this. I was going mm. to the gynecologist the other day. I had <laughs> a lot of anxiety about gynecology. Yeah. I don't like <laughs> people putting things in my hoo <laughs> Yeah. Okay. As I, I fair, probably say that in a different Amy, way, <laughs> which was unfortunate. <laughs> But I was driving and I was super f- stressed out and I was like complaining about the traffic and I was driving and I was like, I got to drive all the way up to LA to see this doctor, da, 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 da. And the doc, you know, really what's going on is I'm in total avoidance of this. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, um, the last weigh-in that I had at, the, at, the, at Kaiser popped into my head and I started, convert- it was in kgs. And so I started converting kgs 2.2 times da, 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 da. And I, wa- I, I, I was driving and counting and numbers, and then I went, fuck. <laughs> oh, you're anxious. Right. <laughs> okay, yeah. let's take care of you. And I started breathing, and I stopped counting. Mm-hmm. And so, but you have to see it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if it's been disguised as health, or, and everybody's doing it, and it's what you're supposed to be doing to be accepted mm-hmm. safe right mm-hmm. yeah that's really really hard to see i mean it yeah. took me until four years ago to get the whole picture of it mm-hmm. you know again it was just an uh, how do i fix this how do i fix that how do i fix it i had given up um restrictive eating for the most part mm-hmm. but i was still having like counting food thoughts weighing like all of the stuff was there. So this is what you're saying. When you can't, uh, you've healed, recovered, you're in remission, right? Yeah. We've put the eating disorder dormant, yeah. but you still have disordered eating. So I had all these little things going on and it wasn't until I met this lady. It was a really cool series of events actually that happened, but I ended up finding this person, um, Isabel Fox and Duke, and she's a pretty renowned um I don't even know what you would call her. Weight, I guess she's a weight neutral coach. Can she's you say diet. her name one more time? Isabel Foxen Duke. What a great Thank name. You. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Name. Right? I looked at her website this morning. She seems really cool. Yeah, she's an interesting uh, person, but she had this perspective um, that was completely different. And I'd never, uh, it, it, she said to me, addiction is not the problem, restriction is. And I went, oh my God, how many times have I gone back to restricting? Yeah, I never had a problem. It wasn't the food that was the problem. I wasn't a binger in the, the way that folks say binge. Like I didn't, I, I, I ate normal sized meals, things like that, whatever that means, right? I, mm-hmm. I ate, I, did, I, I didn't eat to the point of painful fullness. I wasn't eating like uh, what one classify as a binge, which is, I classify it different now, mm-hmm. now that I met Isabel. Um, but let me tell you, there wasn't a moment that I wasn't thinking of like, okay, okay, how can I, how can I lose weight? How can I lose weight? How can I get to the weight? How can I meet the weight? How can I get smaller? How can I be lighter? B- 
because, and you know, for whatever reason, like that never stopped, mm-hmm. you know? So that was the addiction. What's the next thing? I tried all of them. I did everything. Yeah. And when I get anxious now, if I'm not listening, mine's like, oh, just do that. <laughs> just it goes right to the, oh, you're yeah. not going to have the bread. You're just going to have that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to have sugar. You're not going to, you're not going to, yeah. it starts to restrict. So for yeah. me, when she told me that I wasn't a food addict, that I was a restriction addict, mm. and it was confusing to me because I can't make anorexia wait. <laughs> I can't I'm, either, and I tried really, really fucking so hard. <laughs> this is this is what really sealed it for me, Harmony. Is I said I can't make anorexia wait, and she said, "Well, hardly anybody can." Right. She's like, "It's called atypical anorexia," and I went, "What? That's a thing?" And she said, "And it should be reversed." Because the people who can actually, whose bodies are biologically capable of becoming unhealthy weight, Mm -hmm. underweight, is like 2 to 3%. Right. So you're not going to meet the BMI, but you have all of the behaviors. They should call it typical anorexia when you're at, you don't meet weight. Yeah. And they should yeah. call that the when you need to be hospitalized atypical anorexia. Speaking of which, have you ever seen those Karen Carpenter videos of her drumming? She's the most amazing drummer. It's She's insane. so talented. Not only can she hit atypical anorexia, yeah. but also what a fucking amazing singer yeah. and drummer. She's also She's an like, atypical drummer. She was one of the best yeah. drummers of the 70s. Yeah. If you haven't seen these videos, she is well. My mom and worked- makes weight. My mom worked at the hospital she died at. It was a... <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I'm you not laughing. You are so full of stories! Yeah, and it was, oh my it was like a big... Obviously, it's a yeah. big deal. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, people weren't talking about anorexia like that then. No, no they were just talking Pe- about, like, time signatures. Well, but really, anorexia became, you know, came more into the forefront later. Um, yeah. Let's just say the 90s when it... The 90s, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I had to be a musician and then wanted to, you know, hit a weight, yeah. you know? So it's... it's. But that was the click for me. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, because I thought I, I had all of this yeah. mental suffering. It was taking up yeah. so much of my time and energy yeah. and leaving me without energy. And it was that click... That was like, oh, no, you're addicted to restriction. You're anorexic. Mm-hmm. That's what that's addiction to restriction is anorexia. You're anorexic. You just your body is so functional that it just drops your metabolism every yeah. single time you hit famine. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it doesn't know good. that you're self famining. Right. You and I share a very similar <laughs> genetic yeah. disposition. Yeah. And I'll never forget when I got certified in Mysore, I had this beautiful young woman come up to me who just in passing by, we were having a conversation as you do. And I was there with my son, young son at the time. And, and she said, you know, I just really wanted to say, I'm so happy that someone with your body type got 
certified. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. And, like, meanwhile, like, stab me with a fucking knife because yeah. I'm trying so hard to be Not thin. Not to have this body type. I know. Yeah. God damn. And in, That's insane. And the thing is, is that... She's also trying she, to be nice. I know, she, no, she, she, she sincerely right. meant it because she, she also felt it. She also felt like, she said, I don't mean that in a negative way, but I also have a similar body type and I find it very difficult to to achieve advanced asanas. And it's there's amazing a, that you did, you know. Well, there's <laughs> also, we can be frank in saying that there are, uh, there's a huge percent, a huge percentage of the small percentage of, of anorexics um, that are super successful at Afna in in our little world, yeah. mm-hmm. and so for you to be super successful at Asana and and not look sickly, <laughs> yeah, because to be fair, um, you're a very small person. Well, thank you. I appreciate you saying. <laughs> but what I'm saying, like in the grand no, scheme of what yeah. humans look like, you're yeah. a th- you're a thin person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember, I don't know if I should say that he said this, but one of our dear friends said, this is the only room that I feel fat and not flexible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you remember, it's, you remember yeah. Jane Ruffin? Yeah. I love it. He said that to me all the time. Like, this is, yeah. this is the only room I feel fat in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you were certified Harmony, you were, you were, were very thin and I think yeah. that you still are. I haven't seen you in person in so long. I've put on a few pounds since then. (laughs) Me too, and I like it. Um, So I do have to say that, you know, there's a little piece of this that uh, one of the huge facets of my healing, one of the things that helped me um, change my seeing, just like literally when you're talking about yoga being freedom of seeing, Mm. in this one pocket, I understand what freedom of seeing means. And one of the big things that really helped was I had curated thin bodies in my viewfinder for my entire life. I had put them on my refrigerator. I had curated bodies that didn't look like mine and would never, my body would never, there's no, like I could not eat for months and I would still not look like that. I'm not that shape. It's just not what my body is. Mm. And I, I started looking at bodies that were bigger than mine mm-hmm. and my size. And all of a sudden, they, I, I had, there was almost a phobia, I would say, that was part mm. of the disorder. That is, mm. if I look at it, I'll become it. And that's a really fat phobic and super fucked up perspective. And so it was <laughs> really freeing to let go of that ugly piece yeah. of fear because there's so much beauty in larger bodies across the board. And so I started curating diverse bodies, all sizes, Mm. all shapes, all heights, all curves, all no curves. So I just started like on the regular looking at uh, diverse bodies, all sizes really, but I had, you know, because I'd been creating smaller bodies for so long, I had to make a real effort to, every day to see bodies that were larger Mm -hmm. and it's been amazing it's been amazing um you know to 
be able to appreciate my body for what it is. Mm-hmm. And this is something that comes up a lot. You know, there's this idea of loving your body. And it's like yeah. when you've curated a body that is valuable, that isn't yours mm-hmm. and yours will never be. Yeah. You might not love the way your body looks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like ever. Uh, ever. Like ever. Really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can. There, I mean, I can tell you I've come a long way. But I, I had totally curated a different body that if I didn't meet that, it wasn't worthy. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in order to find some comfort and some peace, I had to let go of the idea of loving what I looked like and -hmm. starting to actively love her, care for her as a verb. Mm -hmm. So I am leading a program now called the Yoga Mm -hmm. Food and Body Respect. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be going into our second round coming in January, January 28th. And one of my students in the last round asked that question. She's like, when am I going to love my body? And I'm like, it might not happen. Mm -hmm. But you can work towards it. And that is one of the best ways to start changing your perspective is Mm -hmm. to look and find beauty in all size bodies. Yeah, I love that. I love that as an an actionable step people can take. Yeah. it's And I also, one thing that like... me a lot I think as far as like loving your body is I noticed when when you're just focused on appearance yeah it's harder to love your body because there's always something visually that you're like not liking right and it it, maybe it's it could be anything it could be absolutely anything but when you think about your body as a whole as um something that's yeah as a vehicle as like Something, you know, I love that I can walk. I love that I can move. I love that I can breathe. I love that my body's healthy. I love that I'm strong. I love that I'm flexible. And you start to see how your body's actually so functional. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden it like infuses you with a different understanding of your body that it's not like something outside of yourself, that it actually is yourself. And I think that that kind of switch from the, seeing yourself as an object versus like seeing yourself as a whole integrative being with all these koshas, right? It's one of so the, healthy. One of the role s- switches that Isabel would, would talk about, mm-hmm. um, she was the first person that I heard say it and it's just, it was so profound. She's literally your blood. Yeah. She's your family in the truest sense of the word. Yeah. And like without her, you can't be with him. You can't see your child. You can't, you know, it's like yeah. the most valuable relationship that you have. It's yeah. literally your blood. Like it yeah. doesn't get any deeper. And, and to, ha, to treat her, you know, we treat our blood like that to our families. <laughs> There's a lot of dysfunction that we're all working through, right? Mm. But, in, you know, if we're looking at love as a verb, would you ever do that to your child yeah you know it's like oh you're not cute enough let's not give you or your dog yeah right (laughs) let's let's cut your stomach in half let's give you some ozempic shots you know let's do this like yeah i wait i should rephrase it we go v shots because ozempic is a functional diabetes medication (laughs) (laughs) that has a side effect of weight loss yeah so there's, yeah. there's that perspective, you know, of, of 
of really stepping into a new relationship with your body. And, and then once that is set as the foundation of the actions that you take, right? If we're talking about klesha as a foundation for an action that's rooted in misperception, if we can start to think of our, our human systems as something that we're in the care of, yeah. it's, you know, we're, it, I love the, the idea of guardian. Like I'm yeah. going to fiercely guard her now. I'm yeah. not going to let that happen to her ever again. It's uh, super emotional. I mean, it was like years and years of self-abuse. And I wouldn't do that to anybody else. I wouldn't do it to anybody else. Nobody. Yeah. yeah, So. And I love that shift, too, of like, it's how we interface with others. Like, it's how we love others. It's how we communicate. It's how we, right? And when you start to attribute all of these like everything that your body's doing for you, which is like immense. Everything. We can't even like list yes. it yeah. <laughs> in this podcast. Or, no. You know, it would no. take us forever. Then all of a sudden there's so much more love and respect and honor. And, and yeah. you do want to yeah. take care of yourself and you do want to guard yourself. And you are like, you know what? It's not about numbers or like an extra roll of, of fat cells yeah. in my stomach or yeah you know, larger thighs than that body over there. Like you just stop this weird comparison thing that the mind gets into when it's only looking at a shape, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, It's uh, it's really fun to look at it through the the yoga, the lens of the yoga sutras too. Like I have a blast. It's just like... I'm just having the best time because that was really when I met Isabel everything she was saying I'm like oh that's yoga sutra you know I'd be like oh you're saying and I'm like oh 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 it's all there and then it was just like okay now this makes sense Um, well and what's really powerful I think about your program that you're talking about is you know this philosophy of yoga in in many ways I think it has been kind of um taken and manipulated in a very uh, object kind of centered way right where it's like I mean I'm gonna say kind of like a a masculine hierarchical sort of way where we're projecting onto it all these old structures and systems and hierarchies and you know right and wrong and good and bad and and it sounds like to me you're looking at it as more of like a holistic maybe more feminine more kind of looking taking the philosophy and applying it to like being present and loving rather than like taking our old patterns and and seeing how they fit into the philosophy in a way yeah uh (laughs) yeah and so I, i i was just thinking back to um, one meal a yogi, two meals a bogey. And, <laughs> and uh, I think it's uh, 2.17, chapter 2, um, when it talks about the, re- the why of coming into this vehicle. It's boga is one of the whys. Yeah. It's yeah. so that we can realize ourselves, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like without, all, without the... Um, if you're in denial of the human experience, the pleasure, you're, the enjoyment, you're going <laughs> to miss seeing who you really are. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a fine line there, you know, you have yeah, to get. Yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, I, I think that's so beautiful about yoga is it's balance, right? Like yeah. 
Yeah. If there's no, and I, I've said this to so many students, if there's no joy, there's no yoga. Absolutely. So, uh, like, that's the, uh, <laughs> pleasure is a biological imperative. Yeah. We will not stay alive if we do not have some joy. It really right? is true. It really yeah. is true. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, and <laughs> it's a both and, yeah, you know, this exactly. is like how, how, how do we really use the yoga tools mm-hmm. if we're in guardianship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I love that. And it sounds like you're helping people to break some of these old patterns and habits There's of thinking. There's so much unlearning. Yeah. Like, that's the hardest part, I think, is like, but I heard sugar is addictive, but I heard mm-hmm. you're not supposed to eat gluten, but I heard you're not supposed to have this many meals, and I heard, I heard, I heard, I heard, I heard yes. keto, I heard, you know, vegan, I heard that, 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 Yeah, that, and it's that. very confusing. I, this whole eat more chapatis things is really <laughs> counter to the whole ideology. You should be eating more chapatis. <laughs> Yeah, eat more chapatis. Well, he said eat more chapatis, didn't he? He did. It depends who he's talking to. Sometimes it's eat more, sometimes it's eat less. less (laughs) You know, I think one time I remember... piles and piles of rolling fat. Piles and piles of rolling fat. Piles and piles of rolling fat. He was thinner. He used to be thinner, yeah, but now... Piles and piles of rolling fat. Piles and piles of rolling fat. Um, you know, there are a lot of folks for whom fat is no longer a um, negative word. Maybe it was a compliment. That's mm-hmm. I hadn't even thought about that. So fat is a wonderful endocrine organ that mm. serves a purpose, mm. um, especially when you go through a hormonal transition like perimenopause to menopause. How is that going for you? <laughs> it's a ride. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's a real, it's a legit ride. Like, um, I think that actually was part of the re- recognizing that I had to get a new coping mechanism for anxiety because, like, the actual physical anxiety that comes with the estrogen decline is legit. Like, I had crazy, um, there was, like, eight days where I didn't sleep. I would wake with a startle. Mm-hmm. from heart palpitations from changing hormones mm-hmm. so like it, it was super intense it was like <gasps> as if somebody was going to crash the car and I was just sleeping in my bed it was to the point where I couldn't function um, and that's when I started looking at HRT mm-hmm. and I still I went on and I went off again because it was st- I haven't found a um, I'm in a pretty I'm in an okay sweet spot right now and then I'm going to the doctor on Thursday and I might talk about it again Um, (laughs) because there's a lot, you know, but I think for me, it was like the increased anxiety on a physical level. It was super funny. I went to the doctor and she's like, uh, uh, I'm describing what's happening. And she's like, it sounds like a panic attack. I'm like, no, everything's good. (laughs) She's like, no, but what you're describing sounds like a panic attack. And I'm like, oh, is that a panic attack? And she's like, yeah, that's a panic attack. And then I started to freak out <laughs> because I'm like, I'm having panic attacks. <laughs> oh, and then no. there literally was like this marked increase in anxiety. And mm-hmm. luckily, and I had food off board and restriction off board. So I just yeah. had to feel it and do yeah. some practice about it. <laughs> you know? mm. so I was like, okay, let's go do some asana and breathe. <laughs> So and funny. to be fair, if you're using the tools 
with a without klesha as the foundation, asana is amazing. Pranayama is amazing. Yoga is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the tools of yoga, because it's not yoga at that point, right? Mm. The tools of yoga can be harmful. Yeah. 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 So. I love that idea that the yoga itself is like a technology or a tool and it can be wielded or used. Just you know, like everything else. Yeah. Yeah. Just like everything else. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Exactly. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. I had so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You are a friend of the show and you are such a, a font of wisdom and knowledge. We would love to have you back on. I'll it's come on anytime. We can Please. tell stories. We can talk tell sutras. Stories. We can do fun things. I'm sure yes. there are. We can eat brownies. We can eat brownies. People that you can talk about and tell us more things about. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you and your beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Super easy. Um, You can just go. There's a shortcut. um, Amy A I M E E Echo E C H O Amy Echo dot com leads to my school website. And then you can um, take Meister classes with me, or you can do individual one-on-one yoga therapy, which includes food and body stuff if you want to work that way. And then I have this yoga food and body respect program that's coming up that's going to be on Zoom, so everybody from anywhere can attend. And it's on Sunday. It's going to be Sundays at 11 a.m. Pacific, so that makes it open for folks in Europe if they're feeling really frisky. So it's I know it's on everybody's family day, but whatever. That's when it is. That's when there's, it is. I've learned there's no winning with days. Yeah. And weekends yeah. seem to be nope. the days when most people are available. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> it's it in there, <laughs> in that website. And it's eight weeks. It's, this is, it's more of an introduction, um, just a reframe. And there's a lot of philosophy. There's a, the, It goes across the board. My hope is that people leave with some anxiety reducing um, coping mechanisms that are not maladaptive. <laughs> so we it. do a little bit of asana we do some pranayama we do some swadhyaya some meditation and then we talk a lot about philosophy and um you know some like ways of seeing that are different than diet culture Perfect. i'll find a way to maladapt it don't worry <laughs> <laughs> russ is no, going kidding. to sign up right now right now <laughs> yeah so that's one way to find it perfect yeah right. and we'll have all the links in the show notes so people can It's so fun to be with you guys. Well, thanks for listening. I hope that you're leaving this conversation feeling really inspired and recognizing that the yoga sutras and yoga philosophy and all of this deeper yogic wisdom can be applied to so many different areas of life. One of them being our relationship to ourselves, our body, and how we're feeding ourselves and our food. And that yoga itself can be used as a tool that will help us and help our conscious spiritual evolution. But it can also be used in a way that's just reinforcing these kleshas or these negative patterns that are creating obstacles or harm in our lives. And that all of this comes from a misunderstanding. You know, it's an innocent misunderstanding, but a misunderstanding nonetheless that we aren't whole and complete and that we have to change ourselves to be enough or to be liked or to fit in or to be better than something 
that we already are. And so in really embracing our wholeness and our completeness and really cultivating some deep, compassionate self-love, self-forgiveness is really an important practice, maybe the most important practice that we can do as human beings on this planet. You can find all the information about Amy's upcoming program in the show notes below. And I also have a wonderful freebie for you. So if you would like to take control of any feelings of anxiety or you notice that your mind is racing and you immediately want to bring it under your control in a way that feels holistic and healing, then I would encourage you to download my two-minute free breathwork practice. It's an audio guide, and it will guide you through a very simple breathing break that you can implement throughout your day that will optimize your energy, that will help you to reset some of those patterns that might be driving an addiction cycle or a klesha a negative sort of tendency that you easily fall into. It can just create that moment of pause in your day that really helps us to reset and to re-engage with the world in a more positive, conscious way. So head on over to my website, harmonyslater.com. You will find the link right there for the two-minute breathwork audio and I would love for you to download it and use it, use it liberally to really help you create a clear slate at different periods throughout your day so that you're engaging with life in the most compassionate way you can in a place with full awareness and full consciousness and creating new habits and new patterns that are healing and helpful to your mind, body, and your spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast. If you're finding value in this podcast, a cost-free way to support us is by subscribing and leaving an up to five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It does mean the world to us. Your feedback not only supports us, but it helps others find the path to harmony. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Finding Harmony Podcasts for even more inspiration and join our community at harmonyslater.com. Thank you again for being here. I cannot wait to share with you more in the next episode. And until then, keep embracing your journey to both inner and outer harmony.